Hi, you're listening to Andrew Farris on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Check it out. Welcome to Annexos Access All Areas. My name is Bee and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Annexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in Excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more. Well, welcome to Excess Access All Areas, episode 44, the double fours, where we take a deep dive into the legacy of this great band in excess, uh, celebrate their accomplishments, uh, aim to get them into the Rock Hall of Fame with a nudge and a push, um, and have fun with a really good community who is on our wavelength, B, How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm Maddie Fine, actually. My mission statement's a bit like the start of The Simpsons. It sort of varies per week, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, the Just start of The slightly. Simpsons? Where the Simpsons, they all sit on the couch and something different happens. I feel like I have this goal to say the same thing. I end up going on a tangent. <laughs> I feel like we're having a p- pyjama party today, though, or tonight. Well, well I think is. you're in your PJs. I'm definitely I, in my PJs. I, I'm in my tracksuit <laughs> pants and my Ugg boots. Now, Ugg boots are uh, the, they're an Indigenous uh, word for uh, bogan attire, but mm-hmm. comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, feeling very relaxed here on our evening of recording. and um, Yes. Uh, yeah. And I guess uh, recapping last week, uh, I must say, B, uh, well done to you with the B line there, uh, doing the, uh, the the lead vocal interviews with, with Sean. I did find myself being a fan, tuning in, downloading, and not knowing what was going to happen, and uh, a lot of funny stories. And I, I look forward to, in a year's time, being on that, uh, I guess, review uh, of what's happened with the album and everything there. But uh, sounds like you guys really enjoyed and hit it off well. Oh, what a lovely man. Yeah, yeah. He's a friend straight away. Really lovely man. Really enjoying his new music more than Mm. anything. So that was quite um, interesting to hear where he's going with all of that. But yeah, great stories, hey? We're about on the bus. (laughs) <laughs> well, you like that I, one well yeah i mean the, the idea of michael in glasgow on a tuesday night on the coach with the microphone know, okay, okay everybody uh, <laughs> on the buses you know a bit of english there on the buses i remember that one uh, i do i'll I get do. you butler <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah a lot of fun and you can imagine michael being the life of the party there and um fun to hear and um again it just also echoes a lot of the um feeling and vibe of just what a quality guy michael was i, I just mm. you know Outside the the critics, occasionally you just never heard people who knew him say a bad word about him. Mm-hmm. I liked the bit also when he used to go into their dressing room because he wanted to feel their energy of what yeah. they were feeling for the first time. Yeah. Lovely, yeah. Well, look, I, I guess as I said, you know, he was sort of like, ah, oh, you know, I'm jealous of you guys. I wish I were, you know, where you were ten years ago, climbing and. It probably is quite topical about that notion of the climb and, and the summit and what do you mm. do when you hit the summit mm. as we, uh, you know, do our album deep dive later today. But um, uh, kudos to you. And um, I guess I'd like to always ask you, how's your in-excess week been so far? Well, I don't know about my in-excess week, but I've been in my pleasure and pain, which I've just been telling you about. <laughs> I wasn't very happy. I've been eaten alive by midges. Well, you are in Australia and the word midges is, is, is a little bit more used in the New South Wales area, but I do know what it means. Um, uh, do you want to share for our overseas listeners what a midgey I, refers I to? I think 
people call them sandflies. Do they call them sandflies? What do you call them down there in Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> in Mexico, uh, we probably just call them annoyances. But uh, yeah, yeah, probably you sandflies. can't see them. That's the bloody problem. They sort of camouflage Sorry. in, don't I mean, they? That's the problem. They, yeah, yeah. They love me. <laughs> well, look, you know, again, if that's the uh, first world problems we are existing at the moment against our. Uh, COVID-heavy counterparts overseas, we're still doing okay. But um, my NXS week, yes, I've been talking to a few NXS-related people. It's very exciting. And um, I can't say anything at this point. It's very very exciting. But the website's coming, everybody. That should be coming probably within about two or three weeks. We'll be launching that next. And for those who are involved, how would the website help them out, you know, in terms of sort of access and engagement, do you think? Yeah, I've got buttons popping off everywhere. We're going to be going, um, we're including the In Excess um, um, Induct page. We're going to have Richard Simpkins on there as well. So we'll be able to go to his galleries, Snap, Crackle and Pop. Yes. And yep. um, we've got lots of new merch come in. Oh, my goodness. Have you seen the new merch? I haven't. But speaking of Richard, uh, it feels like every couple of weeks I see his book, Life in Pictures, oh. being auctioned off for $4,630,000. I, I know. So it would be great to have a forum where we can help Richard yeah. just uh, sell a few books and benefit from what he did rather than sort of profiteers on eBay. Yeah, I know. It's not good, is it, all that? No, But no. then, you know, there's collectors out there that want them, and I suppose there's people that, you know, need to pass them on after a while. Well, look, one of the things I wanted to give credit to, I was going to do in the news, but you've sort of mentioned the word now. So I'd just like to, again, give a shout-out to uh, to David Gorton Pedro, um, mm. the English-Portugal connection. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I do uh, – I was a real collector back in the day, and I guess I've got most of the things I want, and – Anything out there now that I don't have is probably bootlegged and things, but I still get a little buzz when I see little products from NXS and, and The chair. And, Did you see the chair today? I saw the chair. <gasps> I saw the chair. Um, uh, do you want to quickly tell the listeners what the chair was all about? I, I, I tried to find out about the chair. Was it stainless steel and it was made for them and they'd say, you tell me more about the chair. Look, I don't know as much about the chair, but I I, I know there was the things I flicked through and saw today. Uh, one of the things I, I, I liked earlier, uh, maybe over the weekend I saw, was uh, the CD single of The Stairs, the, 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 the Dutchy Netherlands edition, mm. uh, which was only released over there as a single. Um, and I saw that and I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. I remember that was being sort of going for $140 25 years ago. Um, But yeah, um, again, if you, if you are wanting to build your collection and get some rarities and things, we do encourage you to go to to David and and, and Pedro's side and Mm. have a little bit of a look there because it's a really good hub of. What's it uh, called? What's it called? What's it called? Come on, you can't ask me those questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, I'm going to have to look it up. It's, it's, you can't just say that. <laughs> you plug in Pedro David Gorn in excess collectibles. I'm sure everything will come up. Okay. <laughs> you it's probably, uh, Pedro's going to kill me for not naming what it is. Maybe post-production we could add in the name. Okay. But uh, maybe the end of the tributes. <laughs> hey, what about this? The end of the tribute or cover song today, if you stay to the end, listeners, we'll hear this such and such collection. <laughs> <laughs> we'll add it in at the end of the tribute song. What do you reckon? <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll plug it in later. I am not alone. I am such a. Please show my song. Uh. Moving along, 
Yeah, we are, we you know are very very fortunate to have patrons and people like Pedro, etc., and, and a bunch of people who really help us put this podcast together through uh, not just the money per month that they they chip in and things like that, but just you know their constant engagement and, and sharing of, uh, of of discussions and uh, information. So. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to the patrons uh, and allow you, B, to introduce them as you do. Here I go. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Well, hello to Nick Egan, Pedro, and Marie, Foxy, Felicia, Sarah, Laurie. Carmen, Sue D, Matt Dean, Joe Robbins, Mandy, Linda, Danielle, Dr. Jim, Amanda, Leon, Lisa Urban, Lisa Calloway, Lisa Mack, Kathy, Carrie Ann, Vern, Caroline, Tracy, Susan, P, Susan B, David, Sandrine, Paul Jolie, Natalie, Joseph, Sarah, Warren, Ella, Amanda, and Melissa. All right, and a couple of other little things we would like to mention. I know you mentioned the name Carrie Ann there. She's our lovely assistant and all the way from Holland. Is her birthday. Uh, happy 29th, uh, Carrie Ann. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry if I've shaved a, a couple of years extra on there. I know you're 26 and I've said 29. But uh, <laughs> happy birthday to you. You're our favourite duchy. Yes. Uh, I love the word duchy and I love the way that Carrie Ann refers herself as a duchy. Yeah. Okay. But she is lovely and she's been very helpful yes. and I've never met her, but no. all I do is know her and all her efforts to go online and through engagement and you know her really well and we wish her the best. I would I would actually say hand on heart, she's the best person in the whole wide world. Right. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's, that's one uh, on you. There's no, pre- there's no pressure now, Carrie Ann, on that sort of, uh, you know, bloody ride up. Okay. So, you know, you're going to have to back that up. Okay. All right. Um, all right, uh, topic of the week. We uh, like to do a little bit of a preview for those who early in our podcast listen want to know what we're going to be talking about today after the news. And uh, it is album review day. So uh, we are going to be pulling out the X album. And uh, it's been probably 10, 12 weeks since we've done a review um, since Max Q. So it's a while. Um, was Max so Q our last it one? It was our last album review, yeah. Oh, I really then, enjoyed doing that as well. Yeah, I, and then I hope... Kick before that. So mm. uh, we haven't talked about X. And I guess uh, without sort of uh, preempting everything, um, I guess the big thing about this album when it came out was that, as we alluded to earlier, Inexcess had climbed that mountain. They were the biggest rock band in the world. Uh, 1988, 89 was their year in the, uh, the sun. Uh, they uh, had a rare break uh, over that particular sort of ensuing 12 months and then came back and, you know, the pressure was on. And I guess we're going to sort of find out uh, over probably the next couple of weeks, it's going to be probably a two-parter. We're going to talk about X, the album, uh, and listen to the songs. And then we're going to talk about X, the fallout, and uh, where is it ranked and what was the uh, the deeper sort of uh, effect of that album 30 years later. So, uh, hopefully the listeners really enjoy that one, B, uh, a double X album, uh, uh, I guess, review and a discussion piece in the next two weeks. Yes, Hayden, there'll be a lot to talk about, won't there? Do you think Correct. you can, you think you can, have, you think you can do the job? Well, you know, I, I, I know. I don't know if you can say much about it. I know I'm a bit loath and probably don't harness my words very well and I'll probably, you know, you know, uh, sit back and wait for you to take control, but look, I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best to sort of come up with some uh, words of uh, thoughts. Hayden, I don't mind you being in control, mate. 
Well, look, uh, looking forward to going through it with you. So, um, but what is it time for now? It's time for the news. Hi, it's Carmen here from Wollongong, Australia. You're listening to the world's best in excess podcast, in excess access all areas, and now it's time for the news. All right, B. Well, as we often do, we talk about charts and things like that. And I know last week there was a little bit of a surge from uh, 42 to 38, but I can reveal some bad, bad news today. No, I don't want bad news. I opened up the charts. They got released four days. Yeah, they got released four days late. And the first thing I saw, because it goes from 50 upwards, uh, the first thing I saw was in excess at 50. No. So it's gone down from 38 to 50, right on the edge of the uh, uh, the, of the chart sort of uh, cutoff points. So come on, people. Uh, there must Who, be some great, great, great grand nephews. Who's at 49? Oh, I don't Did know. You know. I didn't care. You don't care. <laughs> didn't care. <laughs> you need to boot them off. <laughs> so anyone who's having a child in the next 20 years, buy them a copy. Uh, whatever you have to do, let's get this thing back in the charts. We want to get to 400 weeks. Well, I know that there's a new, at least 400 new listeners this month. So all of you lot yep. need to go out and get it again. <laughs> of course, I need another copy. One for the car, you know, one for the house, etc. There, you know, one for the girlfriend, one for the next girlfriend, one for the girlfriend after that. And so on and so on. Yes. I'm going to go out and get a copy. Okay. on Media Street. Um, look, listen, B, there's, there's really not a contest anymore. I've never seen Andrew Farris, okay, pulling out Media Street like he's doing at the moment. He must have like a new album or tour or something happening because, he, he, oh, he does actually. Yeah, you're right. Um, but he is everywhere. So uh, there's a great sort of musical uh, site called That Eric Alper. Uh, Eric as in Eric the name at Alper, A-L-P-E-R. And he often has lots of good guests and articles and things. And there's one on Andrew this particular week that you could download and uh, does dive deep into the, the tour and the album and the recording and the EP and COVID and everything related to things. Um, you will find a little bit of repeat when you are reading some of these Andrew articles because some of the uh, interviewers ask the same old cliche questions. So Andrew has to give the same cliche answers. However, mm. it's good to sort of read them all because you often find a little tidbit and snippet of yeah. some things there that you don't know about. Um, and equally that happened in another Andrew interview, which was on the radio in the last week, which was uh, on 92.7 FM, uh, which I think is a regional Sunshine Coast uh, station in Australia. Uh, and yeah, one of the taglines of this was, who was Andrew's famous flatmate in London? Oh. So that was the hook line that got me into, uh, into diving deep on this four and who and was half- it? Do I tell you now? Yes, or? you do. Tell me. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell me and I'll let you out. Well, let me give you a bit of a quick backdrop. For this four and a half minute interview, he was talking about the son of a famous guy who lived with him in London. Mm. And uh, let me give a few hints to you. 
Lennon. Uh, Ju- Julian Lennon. Was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't oh, Julian right. Lennon. Uh, oh. uh, this is a weird clue. Son of a preacher man. <laughs> R-E-S-E-P-C-T. Let's find out what it means to me. Tina Turner's. No, that's Ooh. not Tina Turner. Who sang that? It's, uh, it might be Aretha Franklin. Oh, yeah, he didn't live with Aretha, but he lived with Aretha's son. Oh. Uh, and 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 he was telling the funny story in this article, or this interview, which you know, it's much funny listening to him than me explain it. But just that you know, he'd come home and suddenly the, the answering machine, and there was Aretha <laughs> leaving a message on the answering machine, and Andrew <laughs> would sort of look at the answer and go, "Jeez, this is the world's getting to be close now. I got Aretha Franklin leaving me messages on my answering machine." Oh, cool. So uh, that's pretty yeah. cool. I didn't yes. know that one. That's I didn't know that either. So, nice. but again, the more Andrew speaks, the more these little anecdotes sort of come out. Yeah. So, but uh, there is a few other little tidbits there worth downloading and having a listen to. Have you, listen, so, have you watched the video yet? The video of Run Baby Run? Yeah. Uh, a little bit. I haven't seen it all. I've heard the song though in its entirety. It's really good. But I, I read about it. It's all filmed up in Gympie. Oh, is it? Out in yeah. the forest there. Yeah. Up in sort of Queensland there. Queensland, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Gympie. But, nice. um, um, yeah, so look quickly, just going back to that uh, radio interview about Aretha Sun, that's 92.7 FM. Uh, and you will, I think it's the Sunshine Coast, so you can download that. Um, also, in terms of last week, you know, we did have a bit of a homage to Michael Gadinsky, and uh, it's just interesting. A lot of people were like, Oh, wow, those songs are pretty cool. I didn't haven't heard of Skyhooks before, and there was a you know, some people who, who didn't realize he'd worked with Garbage and Kyle Minogue and Nelly Furtada. And, all these other Australian acts and things. So um, I guess, you know, uh, it's been announced here in Melbourne, my city, that there's actually a state funeral going to be held on March 24th at Rod Laver Arena. Um, I would assume that Mark Opitz will probably come down for that without speaking on his behalf, but I assume they were such great mates that he'd want to be there. Um, that venue it's been held at Rod Laver Arena is, is where, you know, just coincidentally in excess played a lot of their gigs, mm. uh, holds about 16 to 20,000 people. Um, and people can go into a, uh, go online and actually apply as the public to go into that. It's a, it's more of a memorial service. Uh, so yeah, uh, valet Michael, we we uh, you know definitely feel for you and your family and your contribution as we spoke about last week is uh, has been further acknowledged through this particular state funeral, which is uh, going to be held. Uh, moving along, I guess uh, positively, I guess in terms of news. Uh, the Kick in Excess Experience, uh, May 7th. Uh, they've got a big theatre show in America uh, and it's also streamed live, which they seem to do a lot, B. They seem to stream live uh, all of their concerts. So uh, if you are in America, uh, May 7th, uh, I apologies, I don't have the state that it's in, but I guess go in and Google it for some of the American listeners to us. Uh, they are going everywhere at the moment. So uh, kudos to them. Uh, John Stevens in about two and a half weeks' time is in South Australia. I know, uh, I think it's at least, is Lisa Mack in Adelaide or is she Queensland? Uh, Miss Lisa Mack? Yeah. She's Brisbane. Brisbane, yeah. Okay. Manly. I, I know there's a couple of people who tune in from Adelaide and listen to us. Um, mm. Again, John Stevens is there playing in Hindmarsh at one of the sort of the venues there. So um, do yourself a favour. Uh, et cetera, I did. Yeah. I did have a little story actually of when he came down because someone said, "Oh, um, did you go?" No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she said her husband was um, in the uh, kitchen and John Stevens came in and he accidentally splashed him with some kitchen water oh. <laughs> in the eye. <laughs> oh. So sorry, John. That was my friend. Oh. Husband. Okay. 
Well, I, I saw some footage. Was that at Mooney? Was that the place? Probably, yeah. yeah I saw some footage of that and it was sort of big outdoor venue and there was a big mm. crowd. Yeah. Uh, and they were getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, John's touring as well. So as, as we like to do on the podcast is, you know, wherever In Excess music is played live around the world, we do like, do like to highlight it and give people a chance to get out and uh, experience it. Yes, uh, please email us at. Go on, uh, Hayden, try it. I don't. Come on, you've never said it. I don't think I've said the email address. Is it www no. AAA? No, 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 mate. No, that, that, that's a website. What, 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 what are my emails? <laughs> email in excess aaa at yeah. gmail.com. But why are we talking about an email now? Because we want the, the guys to send us their gig guides. Oh, who are we, are we talking to the band here? We're talking mm, to the bands. Oh, okay. So, 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 uh, okay. So, people who are relevant to playing this music live, send your yeah your tour dates to us. We'll aggregate us. it. And yeah. We'll, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's helpful. Um, and if Very. they don't, and if they don't, we'll just call it out until you decide to do it, or we <laughs> gang tackle you. So, um, but B, that's the news of the week. Fantastic. This is Tim Farris, and you're listening to Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Hey. Now it's time for Topic of the Week, sponsored by Tilly and Wilbur, providing unique Australian design and affordable expressive wear. They make ethical choices one tea at a time by using sustainable quality clothing, supporting fair trade and using recycled packaging. Use the code INEXCESSPOD for 20% off your first purchase at tillianwilbur.com.au. Alone. Their albums, videos, and live shows are what rock music's all about. In excess. Now, here's X with three hit singles in and the best is yet to come. The X Factor. In excess. All right, Album X, as Michael used to call it, B, Album X. Uh, Ten years from recording, uh, I guess, uh, from the debut album. Uh, X marks the spot. Um, I guess after Kick, they wanted to have uh, something simple and straightforward. Uh, X represents a kiss as you're doing down the uh, Zoom link to myself. Hello, kisses <laughs> back. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I guess this this is an album that I guess spawned, you know, the uh, era of 1990 and some sort of three years since the release of Kick. And it was an interesting time, B. Um, I guess you'd sort of got involved with In Excess around Listen Like Thieves and maybe sort of, I won't say jumped on the bandwagon, but consolidated your fandom with Kick. Do you remember so when X came out, you know, yeah. back and, you know, around that period of time for yourself, what were you doing? Yeah. Um, what was I doing? Oh, blimey. I was having fun. <laughs> what were you doing? As you do. <laughs> well, it, it's, I'm glad, glad you sort of asked because I was at uni and it was my first year at uni and I was thinking I was an 18 and a half, 19 or whatever. And it was sort of the time where, you know, music was becoming really important in my life. 
And Kit could come out three years early. I was sort of 16 and studying and just, you know, kid at school. So, but this was the album where I could go to the tour. I could buy the merchandise. Yeah. I, could, I could read the reviews. I could buy the art, the magazines. I was sort of becoming an adult. And it was felt like to me, I was sort of there then and present with mm-hmm. everything of this album at the time through to now. So that's my sort of memories, particularly uh, back in those those days. Yeah, well, I, I just started work. I'd, I'd done three three years at college. So I was a little bit ahead of you. So, okay. yeah, so I, I was sort of in the same sort of camp, though, you know, a bit mm. of money, you could get the records and you yeah. could go and, and MTV was massive still, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. And mm. look, I, I think just to sort of for the listeners who may not, you know, have been you know around when this came out, um, in excess, we're literally the biggest band in the world in 88 and 89. Um, they had, you know, topped the charts, you know, I guess with uh, singles like Need You Tonight. They'd had sort of uh, multi-platinum sales for Kick. They had four top 10 hits in America off the album. They had multiple hits around the world uh, and tours. Um, their back catalogue was selling infinitum. Uh, and they were in their late 20s and, and, mm-hmm. and, and they were really, you know, I guess climbing to that particular mountain. You know, if uh, Shabu Shabar and then, you know, ultimately, you know, the swing and then Listen Like These was sort of the groundwork, you know, Kick uh, became the, uh, I guess, the, the the stratospheric album that a band in all of their careers hopes to sort of, I guess, achieve. And uh, this was sort of, uh, I guess, now coming into X, uh, a difficult period because, you know, how do you maintain the peak? Mm. How do you maintain, you know, your spot on the mountain? You know, what do you do? Do you do you depart, you know, from a true formula? Do you uh, experiment? You know, do you lose it and alienate your fans if you go to left field? Um, uh, do you consolidate your fan base by giving them something that they're used to having? These were a lot of the decisions uh, and a lot of the issues that the band faced upon probably recording, which is, I guess having that year off and doing the different other tours and things, mm-hmm. um, it was a, a particular interesting paradigm that I think in the mini series it is sort of discussed, you know, with Andrew and I've got to do all this again and the pressure and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I find it quite a mature album actually compared to Kick. Like Kick's just like a fun sort of like, yeah, with the word Kick, whereas mm. this is a little bit more stable. Mm. Yeah, well, you look again. The band were entering their thirties, um, yeah. and um, you know the the teeny bopper thing starts to wane a little bit, and mm. then it's like, well, you know, where are we going now with our career? What do we want to do? Do we want to repeat ourselves? Do we want to come up with something different? And um, I guess as we play the songs in a moment's time, we'll sort of relive them and and give our sort of impressions both now how we feel about them, but also what we felt about them when they came out because. Sometimes songs, they, they, they grow with you and they stay with you and then sometimes they die with you, mm. you know, and, and, they, and they don't live a long life with you and then they can drop off your favourite list. So I, I really enjoy sort of, I guess, the fact that we can revisit this album and just see how we feel about the songs now and then and just see where they sort of sit overall. But, yeah, so um, as you alluded to earlier, you know, Nick Egan produced uh, the album cover. Chris uh, Thomas was the producer for the third album in a row. Uh, a lot of it was sort of recorded in Sydney at Rhinoceros Studios. Uh, I guess our friend Richard uh, Simkin was down there. Uh, I guess a lot of the recordings, as for those who listened to that episode, uh, yeah, they were going into the studio and uh, I guess the world was listening, weren't they, B? The, the world was really keen to see what they were coming what out. What was next? Yeah, mm. that's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so rather than waffle, we're going to put on a snippets of each song. We're going to talk a little bit about what we think of the song now and then and just where it stacks up. And 
Uh, I'm going to give you the new ball first, B, because uh, ladies first. Uh, what's the first song off the album that we're going to play for the listeners? This one. What a great entrance into um, the album, I feel. The harmonica, though, I was let very let down when I found out that it actually went through the synthesizer. I really thought it was him. <laughs> I honestly didn't know that until Marco Pitts told us the other week. So, I, I thought it did go through the synthesizer. Synthesizer. Say that after a couple of uh, Coronas. Or that. Pepsis. Pepsis. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I've seen things just play, play enough live to know that Andrew cannot play a guitar, harmonica, and a piano keyboard at the same time. Same time, yes. Okay, so what? Two of the three, maybe. So, um, but yeah, definitely uh, that harmonica sound would sort of drove this album, which you know repeats itself later on mm. uh, in other tracks. The thing about Suicide Blonde, which I thought was interesting at the time, was it's one of those sort of in excess lyrics. That, uh, for those who don't know, it was sort of a, a hair dye sort of color, and you know, Kylie at the time had sort of dyed her hair and things like that, and. Uh, Michael was probably inspired by that particular sort of uh, colour and it was it's a real sort of unique sort of lyric and in excess word, so to speak. It's like a shabu shabar. And it was Kylie, wasn't it? And she had yeah. it done for the film, um, was it um, The Delinquents? Correct, yeah. And she said, yeah, they call it Suicide Blonde because you never know what colour you're going to get. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, But there's some great lyrics in there. I've always liked that one. She stripped to the beat, but her clothes stayed on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, think, I think the benefit of this song is the verses and the lyrics are strong mm. in the chorus. Yeah. Um, and I also think that this song uh, definitely goes better live. I think it's a bit more muscular. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, obviously, and it's a, that's been sort of not a criticism, but been more of a commentary about in excess over time that sometimes their, their, their live stuff muscles up more than yeah. on, the, on the album. So. I think with this particular sort of song, it definitely takes it up a notch or two live. Um, as a single, it was the sort of lead single off the album in the chart at number nine in America. Uh, I think it hit number two in Australia. Uh, uh, in the UK, I think it went top 10. Uh, we'll go through some of these stats a bit more deeply next week. But um, uh, it was a strong track. It was a strong opening. I remember buying it on a 45 uh, uh, single pre-CD singles, uh, pre-streaming. So uh, still have that particular one. Do you? Uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, good strong opening to the album, Boo. Brilliant opening. Really, really good opening. And and just just the little things that they do, like the, the, the talking from the back of the room at the very, don't you know what you're doing? You know, <laughs> it's just like all those little bits that um chris thomas had added just made it really interesting song to listen to i think the film clip too they they look cool and what they're wearing um Mm. in the clip i think tim looks cool and got you know Mm. the whole whole band sort of a a really sort of uh uh it's not as a corporate look you know what they're wearing uh, uh, i actually talked to one of the girls that were in that video okay the one with all the hair Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people thought it was Kylie in that film clip who was running towards mm. the camera, but it wasn't. <laughs> no, it was my friend. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for the next one? Yep. Or have you got more to say? No. No. Okay. Disappear. mate of mine and his name is Ian and uh, when he first heard it the first couple of times I remember him saying I think that's the greatest song I've ever heard the do 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 sort of soulful sort of lyric with the real Motown drumming and percussion beat from John um, uh, this is a staggeringly strong song still today uh, obviously John and Michael sort of composition and uh, went number eight in America uh, I don't think it went about 21 in Australia and similarly in the UK but yeah, a real anthem, uh, a great vocal, soulful lyric, a real departure sound, I think, for the band. It's just, you know, just uh, was something different that they hadn't done before. And again, probably the verses uh, and, the, and the intro vocal uh, a fraction stronger than the chorus part. But that middle bit where it comes back into the middle where it says, disappear disappear mm. um, and and it just and, and and then it goes into the do 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 again that that bit there is just awesome mm. um and yeah i think it's a real crowning achievement in john's career with the band and i know he's, yes. he's very proud of this yeah. song success you know yeah yeah and and kirk as well with the the um the harmony they really yeah. sort of like yeah there's the sort of like that angriness but then the soothing of the do 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 yeah. do yeah, like in making lyric. it disappear yeah, yeah it's lovely um some of the lines that they have there makes me realize all that i am um you put the light inside this man yeah beautiful yeah um i think it's it's a mature maturity in the songwriting mm. from michael and the lyrics and that was something that you know was a, a, a stepping stone forward uh for the band um uh, there's not a lot of party songs on this album, um, as you use the word a bit more party album before with Kip, but uh, this sort of shows a bit of maturity, guys growing, yeah. looking at the world, what's on TV, pain and suffering, yes. struggle to be free. Like, you know, it's probably, a, 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 a you know, guys growing into manhood, into their adult life and travelling the world and seeing, you know, mm-hmm. good, bad and ugly. Yeah. And it's a really affirmative lyric. You know, when you sing it, you sing it with a sense of affirmation, don't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's a good one. But a great start to the album. A great one-two punch, but One-two punch, definitely. Yeah. I would say that too. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready yes. for the big one? Yes. 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 
Okay, so that was The Stairs, and um, I struggle with this song a lot, Hayden. I really struggle. You haven't heard it much before. Oh, I've, I've heard it plenty of times, <laughs> plenty, plenty of times. I struggle to... What's wrong with, with you, B? I think it's too long <laughs> and too slow and just, I don't, I, when I'm listening to it, I go, oh, yeah, I do like it. But then when I get to hear the beginning again, I go, do you know what? I just want to fast forward it. It's terrible, isn't it? Well, I think there's better songs on the album for me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a quick fix sort of person, but I really just like, I don't get the big hoo-ha about it. Well, let me let me give um, you. Perhaps a, I'm not mature enough for it. Let me. It's, let me it's on me, my, not anybody else. I know. I know. Let, I'm not worthy. Put on, <laughs> put on my Mark Opitz, Andrew Ferris, Australian National University lecture hat, and give you a lecture about the virtues of the stairs. Okay. <laughs> Go on then. So the intro it goes for about a minute and a half. It's very much echoes the intro for Burn for You. Not so much in the sonics of it, but maybe just in the um, well, just just the time frame and just the gradual climb. So it is a song that sort of takes you on a bit of a journey. It's not this sort of three and a half minute knock you out punch, you know, you know, quick fix, sugar fix song. B. It is a uh, it is a little bit of a, a grower and it's a moody one and it's there to take you on a bit of a sort of a journey. Um, if it was released as a single, they probably would do what they did for Burn for You, and that is they cut out the first bit and they just get into the sort of the song a bit faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so often you see on a, a single, you see the word radio edit. Often they'll cut bits out. That aside, the stairs greatness is that it takes a, a notion of the word community um, and about, you know, we pass each other on the stairs and about as, as, as the you know, life grows and we get older, um, I know you came down to Australia because you love neighbours and you love the, you know, the show. <laughs> thought everybody was like, in Australia was like Aaronsborough. I don't even watch the TV. Aaronsborough and, and Summer Bay and all these particular soap operas in England you used to watch about Australia and you thought, well, that's, that's Australia. But... But no, the stairs is, is very much like, you know, separated by accidents and incidents, et cetera, there. And uh, we pass each other on the stairs. And it's about, you know, society sometimes not being a community and we don't, you know, look after our common man. And as you're yawning, B, okay, <laughs> the lyrical climb in this song, the song structure has meant that it has climbed. <laughs> Over my head. Climbed in the pantheon <laughs> of fan recognition and band recognition over time. Sorry, everybody. So it is, it is musical greatness and talk about a one, two, three punch to start an album off. Okay. I, I digress and pause now. All right. Let's, have you said enough gushiness about that? I, look, there's a lot of love in my room at the moment. I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> For the stairs. Oh, for the stairs. Okay, so um, the next one is Faith in Each Other. All the people in this world All the people in this world I gotta tell you It's all Look at the cover of a magazine 
All right, Faith and Judd, the fourth song off the album. Uh, another John and Michael composition, which I think when they were living in Hong Kong uh, meant that they did record quite a lot together and put stuff together it's, uh, in that period of time. When this came out, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was, you know, had a little funky sort of uh, element to it. I think over the years, it's probably a song that hasn't grown with me. Um, it probably feels a little bit overproduced and compressed and a little bit lifeless in the sense that, you know, it doesn't sort of have that spark that I thought, you know, maybe it could have. Um, I think Michael's vocal and the, the saxophone is good, but it's probably one that I feel like has aged a bit. It feels a bit 1990s produced, whereas the first three songs that we've gone through feel a bit more timeless to me. Yeah. Um, the other anecdote about this song was it, did actually get released through a magazine in Australia called Dolly. Ah. Dolly was this female magazine, etc. there. And uh, there was like a blue sort of. Uh, yeah, I've uh, got it, didn't I? Have you? Oh, there was a, there's a blue little sort of 45 single in there and you had to cut it out. And I remember myself not cutting it very well. <laughs> I think I cut half the lyrics off. <laughs> but uh, oh. uh, yeah, I, I, get, I get up and get it, but I'm in my no, 90 and I don't want you to see me in that's my 90. Fine. That's fine. Okay. Uh, over to you, B. What are, you, what are your thoughts yeah, on this song? Yeah, I, I, I like this song because I fast-forward to this one. <laughs> right, okay. You, you get over your scares, can I? Your salvation. I really like it. But I tell you what, I really like um, the live version of this at Buenos Aires. How do I say it? Buenos Aires? Buenos Aires, yeah. Buenos Aires. Wow. So, so cool. His vocals are just priceless. They're just fantastic. You should go back, listen to this song and listen to each individual song. Suggest you just listen to Michael's um, vocals first and then just go listen to the funky guitar. But Kirk... At this um, Buenos Aires um, gig, he lies on his back playing the sax. Bloody brilliant. Yeah. Well, this one sort of lyrically has a similar theme to The Stairs, you know, faith in each other, you know, your common man. Um, yeah. Michael's vocal, I think, is the best thing about this. Um, yeah. And you really sense that since sort of the Max Q album, you know, he went into X, you know, trying some new things out and probably felt a bit more liberated sort of uh, musically and, 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 and had a confidence in trying new things with his voice on this album that... I think uh, maybe came from just the Max Q experience. Yeah, it's a concise stairs for me. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. All right, next one. Oh, I've got to turn my page by my side. In the dark night. By my side. my side so um for a long time I couldn't listen to this song because of the funeral Michael's funeral as it was played there and it was a very sad song for me to listen to but I find it I like listening to it now because it reminds me of us 
Yeah. Yeah, it's our playout song. So I find it um it it has a different meaning now, but before it yeah. was just yeah, it was a bit lost in heartache, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, um yeah, but um, amazing lyrics, so emotional and he just seems so effortless the way he 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 does this song. He he, he sings it. Um yeah. but uh yeah. I think I think over over time, I mean this this is a song that um people really really still love and mm. um i know a lot of people really rate it and uh, some people criticize this as never tear us apart part two mm. uh, but in reality you know uh, the production of this and, and the instrumentation is, is a lot different i mean you've got almost like this acoustic country introduction on this particular um song and you sort of see in the clip with kirk uh, playing the acoustic guitar and when they do it live he pulls that out um you know, it's not a lot of uh, big sort of orchestral keyboards, flourishes like there is in Never Tear Us Apart. Mm. Um, but it is, it has a bit more of a, 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 a broodingness to it, doesn't it? And a real longingness and um, it really is a love song to to a partner across the other side of the world, which I think was the, the initial sort of uh, motivation behind it. Yeah, I think we've spoken a fair bit about this song through the episodes, but it's yeah. just knowing Michael through friends of Michael's that are very close, that he just hated being alone, hated it. He, he didn't leave, let you leave. They had to no. sneak out. Yeah, they had to right. sneak out like, oh, I'm just going off to get some cigarettes and then they'd never come back because yeah. he would not let them go. So yeah. just knowing that, you know, by my side and um, didn't want to be alone at night. And look, I mean, Andrew, you know, was, was, was I think, quite heavily involved in the songwriting for this. I mean, he... He's probably be a bit of a reluctant tourist, you know, at the best of times. So, I know uh, having a young family and a wife sometimes who wasn't always on tour, this was a bit of an ode to her. And um, I think uh, if I think back to it then when it was released, I thought it was great. I still think it's great. Uh, and I think this has always been a regular in their live set. You know, it's sort of is probably eight nine times out of ten has been played live ever since uh, they released it. So. You think it's obviously a little bit of a band favourite as well. I think they were always, you know, played what they wanted to play and this sort of retained its place in the set list. And, you know, interestingly, not a lot of the bigger hits and things early in the career always retained, you know, uh, scope in their set list. So, um, yeah, uh, kudos to this one. It sounds good then. Uh, sounds good now. Okay. Are you ready for the next one? Yep. Lately. song that I still like. I mean, it still sounds a little bit produced and a fraction dated now uh, in terms of that sort of early keyboard sort of stuff at the start. But I think the, the, the lyric and then the elevation, the escalation of Michael's vocal is great. Um, I think the guitar break in the middle uh, is the hook uh, that uh, really sort of uh, takes it up to that level where it um, has that sort of rare guitar solo for about 20 seconds for in excess. They don't do massive, big self-indulgent um, uh, guitar solos. Uh, but this one has a bit of a 20 sort of second break in the middle. Uh, that's its sort of 
peak uh, enthusiasm moment for me on the song. Um, I know, uh, I think uh, a couple of uh, friends of mine, MM and a couple others, really wanted this to be a single mm-hmm. uh, because uh, instead of the Bitter Tears. Um, and I know it sort of has some folklore to this song, B, with Wembley because it got lost there, didn't it? Yeah, uh, it did. It's now reappeared on the Reed Ducks. Great, now it's back, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Really keen to know how you feel about this one. Yeah, I, I think I, I'd, I'd like to echo whatever you've just said then, really, that I feel that um, it has on the album, yeah. listening to the album, it is quite dated now. And I yeah. feel, sorry, um, Chris, but I don't like the production of this. I yeah. prefer it live. It yeah. is a live song right. and I've yeah. um, heard it a fair fair bit. I heard it not so long ago with um, the Don't Change Boys singing it and it right. was just magical yeah absolutely yeah. magical so I, I if I take it as face value of listening to it on the album I think it's just a filler on the album but it's actually more than it's just a fantastic yeah. song right. well I guess in 1990 this is the point B where what we do we actually sort of turn the album over now can you explain to millennials what sort of pressing sort of stop and pulling the needle off the Record player means and turning the record over. It's a few seconds, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you just didn't press a sort of a little button and it zoomed ahead. You what? What did you have to do to sort of turn, take a record off the player and turn it over? B. What did your parents make you do? Yeah, well, it all depends which one you had, doesn't it? I think the, the one I had, we you had to lift it up and pull it across and put it down and then click your little. Um, Did you ever have that, that, that little bit of sort of felt material near your record place Ooh. when you pick things up? You yes. had to sort of pick them up sort of almost in the palm of your hand yeah, and you the felt and not, don't scratch the records. Wipe it in one direction. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, around this particular period of time, it was uh, early CDs, but still a lot of people bought this on vinyl and mm. uh, that was the way you consume music in those days. It was not uh, portable. It was very uh, tactile and physical, wasn't it? Yeah, and I really wish they. I mean, I know that they have come back, but just like for the uh, the, the 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 covers, just having the covers and then opening them up and being able to read the lyrics, and it felt great, didn't it? Having yeah. an, an an album that was vinyl. Okay, so let's turn the vinyl and play the next song, which is "Who Pays the Price." Yes, it's dark sometimes when people are shoving, pushing you into the ground. And you cry in daylight, the sun in your eyes, even though you know you're not alone. And it's all been felt before. You stare through your window, wondering if it's gonna be more. So that was Who Pays the Price. Can't get over the uh, Wembley edition live of uh, Andrew rolling on the floor with this one, can we? That one's always <laughs> a, a crowd pleaser. But, um, yeah, great lyrics and um, 
a sad realization of faith of that you may have chosen and um, you might have been wrong about your faith I'm thinking that's okay. my interpretation of this song look uh, this song for me was a bit of a stinker then and it's still a bit of a stinker for me mm. um, and you know I, I, I think the Wembley stuff gives it some sort of life and resonance there but mm. I, I sort of just felt it was a bit paint by numbers it didn't feel as inspired you know it felt a I might say contrived about, you know, you know, um, I mean, I think the lyrics aren't bad. I think as you said, but um, yeah, I reckon if, you know, like I think it's probably Mark said at Wembley, it was probably a song that, uh, you know, they, they made off. it their own there, but yeah. they could have put other things on there. And I think in terms of this album, there's some other songs that were close to making the album that this, this song could have made way for. So that's my honest appraisal sort of now. And it probably was the same back then to, 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 to be frank. I agree. I do agree. Um, I don't particularly like it on the album if we're reviewing the album, but it's mm. good. It is a good song and uh, to look, be played. Look, it's part of that probably trifecta on the album of, of harmonica sort of sort of yeah. driven sort of songs with sort of uh, you know suicide blonde and um, I think on my way and uh, you know and a couple of others and things like that. So um, so it was sort of a development of sound for them in a, to a point. But um, yeah, look, it's it just sort of goes. I guess for me, um, and you won't see me in my car with the windows down, pardon the pun, for the next one, uh, uh, singing this particular one very loudly. Okay, you ready for the next one? Yep. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> okay, know the difference. Your girlfriend's allowed to talk. Yeah, the tone about your boy. What you do? Yes, I know you be wanting more. You're the kind of girl who knows what she wants and where it goes. All right, know the difference. Uh, I really like this when it came out. I, I think it was it was sort of a typical sort of Michael three minute sort of mid tempo, funky female, uh, sexy type sort of lyric and um, interesting some production and things like that. I think years and years later, you know, I went through a bit of a phase where I didn't really like it as much. I sort of looked back and thought, oh, you know, it was just probably something they've done before and it was sort of something that, you know, they probably could have been more adventurous with. I started playing X a little bit of time ago and then I started liking it again. So I guess in a way it's one of those particular songs, I think in the early days, thought it could have even been a single, but I think it's one of those things with music is that, you know, a song can be something you like, you fall out of love with and then rediscover. Um, mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's a challenging song for them. I think it's a song that um, they could do sort of in their sleep. Um, but around that particular time where I guess you know, the hallmarks of these albums were slickness and polish, uh, this probably, you know, uh, you know, represented that sort of dynamic in recording that, you know, Chris Thomas was sort of, um, I guess, asking of the band or the band were asking of Chris. Uh, so uh, to me, it's a yes uh, and it's a, a solid, you know, um, good song. Yes, agree again. I love, love, love singing along to this one. Um, the false ending on the album um, song, though, that's, that really gets me every bloody time, I must admit, but it's pretty cool. Um, John's well, drumming. It just ends. It ends and then it goes again. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And John's drumming, wow. John's drumming in this and the bass line. I think the percussion on this is just awesome. 
the funky guitar steals it, doesn't it? It wow 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 wow, and um, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, the Wembley audition when Michael goes into the crowd and he's like touching hands with everybody. I wanted to be one of those girls. So the next one is Bitter Tears. Bitter Tears. Wow. Love it. Great, great song. Love it. Love it. Love it. Tears of happiness. Um, understanding his feelings and picking himself up and becoming confident. It's a confident song, I feel. It's like a man knowing himself. Um, and it's another one that's a climber, isn't it? But it's not as climbing as uh, the stairs. Yeah. Um, when I first heard this, uh, this is this classic song that um, I... Uh, when, it, when it got released as a single, I nearly cried. I was like, oh, my mm. God, what are you doing? You've got all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, this has to be a mistake. Why are they releasing this? But it's this classic case where a song has grown in its stature and grown in its sort of, uh, 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 not epicness, but grown in its appeal and, and its attractiveness to listen to over time. Mm. Um, I always thought that the, uh, the chorus was a bit interesting because he does the opposite. He sort of peaks at the first part of, you know, saying, I thought, it, I thought it was doing no wrong. He starts off really high yeah. as he starts off in that escalated vocal there. And then in the second part, he's like, and I thought I was doing no wrong. Yeah. And he brings it down. And yeah. I thought, oh, I should have done it the other way. But then in hindsight, over the years, I've gone, well, maybe that's just them trying different things. And yeah. um, I think um, Michael at the time really loved this song and he sort of, he felt it was a classic and, I was like, yeah, no, Michael, you don't know what you're talking about, but I think it is. I think it, um, I think it's aged really well. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it was the song. I'd love that you so- to tell him that. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it was well, a song that sort of burst their bubble in America, where they'd had six top, top tens in a row between sort of Kick and, and X, and this song only went 46. So it sort of marked a bit of the decline in terms of sort of commercial single success in the Billboard charts. But um, you know, that's one side of the ledger in terms of the song craft and the song itself. Um, I think it's I think it's great and it's aged well and I really love it. Yeah, and Chris Th- Thomas has done an absolutely fantastic job on that production yeah. as well. It's outstanding, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. outstanding. Yeah. Okay, the next one on my way. <laughs> she says, "Are you sure if you're on your way?" <laughs> Am I on my way? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is an interesting 
because uh, I sort of think, to me, it's half a song I really like, and then half the song's a bit of a sort of bit of a stinker for me. So it sounds a bit weird that um, I like the sort of the energy and the um, sort of the, the the rhythm and the drums and the urgency of it, um, and uh, the sort of the vocal and the energy behind this song. Um, I just think sort of the chorus is sort of something sort of lets it down a little bit. You know, it's just a very basic chorus, and it sort of fits the structure of the song, but. Um, it's just one of those songs that, you know, actually really half like it really well. And then the half of it annoys me. So I sit there, Mr. Switzerland on the fence going, uh, Hey, five out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's an international rock band, you know, top of their game. And this is just a mediocre song, isn't it? Well, you know, I, I can't argue. Um, again, there'd be other sort of B-sides and other things that were on the sort of the bonus tracks album that would probably sort of replace it. Mm. Um, look, it is sitting in around sort of song 10 or 11 there, so uh, it's not front-loaded on the on the front side. Um, uh, you know, I think, as I said, the, the chorus and the energy and the, the, the urgency in Michael's sort of vocal is great. Um, and I don't mind the verses. I just sit sort of the chorus sort of meanders a bit, et cetera, there. And, um, Who wrote yeah. this one? Do you know? Oh, I think this was an Andrew Michael song. Oh, it was then too. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's second last on the album for maybe for a particular reason. But yeah, I just think, as I said, we'll talk a bit next week about the bonus tracks that were available. I think there could have been other things that replaced this to make it sort of more of an eight, nine out of 10 song. Okay. Are you ready for the last one? I am. We got there already. Bit too quick, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hear that sound. sound brilliant what a cool song to end with i still find it very strange the beginning and i find the ending very weird on the production of this um song but um live brilliant absolutely fantastic um i just um yeah it's it's that that gets me on this album i think that um, there's some strange little bits on it now and again that let it down a little bit compared to the other albums. Um, I'm not saying that I don't like this song because I really like this song. I think it's just, it could have done without that strange beginning and strange ending for me. Well, like th this is a song for me that uh, I remember uh, going to the X Factor concert and a mate of mine who I'd taken along had never heard the song before. And he left the concert going, I want to buy the album because of this song. And uh, I think this has got a real epicness. I think In Excess's last songs off their albums are always really strong. And I think this ends the album really strongly. Um, I think it's a great lyric. It's a bit of a sort of a call to arms, what's going on in the world. Uh, Michael sort of entering his 30s, being a bit more mature thinking and things like that. It's got an epicness to it. Uh, it did play well live. 
Uh, the chorus is not as strong as sort of the verses, which is a bit of a theme on this album for some of the some of the tracks. It does that sort of, you know, uh, hear that sound, places to be found, repeats itself a little bit. Uh, I think that it could have actually gone a bit longer. I think it needed maybe another verse in there to make it really epic. Yeah. Something like, like Burn For You or The Stairs or whatever there. I reckon it was one verse short because it, it sort of climbs to this real epicness at the end, you know, where it's like, don't let anyone tell you what you must do. You know, yeah. it gets that in it at the end mm-hmm. uh, sort of lyric and it sounds a bit bizarre but it, it could earn its way to that payoff uh, a bit slower in the sense it could have another verse in so when it hits that payoff in the last verse into the chorus you'd really be taken uh, to a level so yeah. I just think that uh, it was one verse short from being an absolute classic but mm-hmm. I really like really love the song yeah I absolutely agree it's um yeah. it's it's it is it is short isn't it i think that's what it is it's like you you it's it's climbing to something but it's not quite really got you well, completely me, on the me, album that is yeah. on the album to me it's a couple of rungs on the ladder short in terms of what it, what it could have could have been able to do like uh, maybe back then and you know the nature of sort of you know people's attention spans i mean inexcess aren't known for many 5 minute plus songs uh, but some of their, you know, you know, latest songs on albums, etc. They're like all the voices and burn for you, and some of those, mm. even they go quite longer. Uh, this one probably just could have had another minute on it or two to really hit that payoff at the end. Um, I think it was a song like Champagne Supernova. You know, it climbs and climbs and climbs, has a really massive payoff at the end. Yeah. Um, I think this song uh, was could have nearly been a great, well, a great epic song. Uh, uh, but it's an excellent song, uh, yeah, uh, no doubt. Yeah, very, very. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it. That's X. That's yeah, X. Well, yeah, well, you know, we're going to really dive deep a little bit next week uh, about just the, the fallout or the, you know, not so much the fallout, but just the, the response and the sales and just the industry recognition and, and critics and just break the album down a little bit and probably review it a little bit more detail. Um, I guess what I wanted to sort of share with the listeners just maybe, you know, to sort of uh, encapsulate sort of this album, uh, it was the last that sort of really Chris Thomas sort of did with the band. So for those who look at this period, you know, you've got 85 with Listen Like Thieves, you've got 1987 with Kick, and then you've got sort of uh, 1990 with X. So that triumvirate of albums, uh, the three of them, really represent probably the, the commercial climb and then the commercial peak of the band. This record sold over 10 million. Uh, I think Kick sold nearly 20. Uh, Listen Like Thieves, obviously around three or four. But it was that sort of this little halcyon period where Inexcess were right in that sort of cultural zeitgeist, everything they were doing, everything they were recording. Um, this album was sort of massive in Europe. Uh, it was solid in America and, and, you know, hit number two, but it really broke them in Europe and in England and that market a lot furthermore. Um, and it probably just as an overall sort of arching theme with Chris Thomas, it probably represented the, um, you know, his production techniques, which were always relatively slick, uh, quite polished, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, grungy or full of sort of left turns and stuff like that. Um, I don't think as a producer he was as musical as Mark Opitz with, you know, maybe the elements of musicality that Mark has. But I guess for the average listener, this represented the commercial peak. And if you went around the world and raided people's CD collections or whatever, um, you know, Kick and, and X are those two albums that you see, you know, predominantly in people's, um, you know, well, formally before they stream B, yes. uh, in their record cabinets or CD cabinets. 
Yes. Actually, it's it's funny that you should mention Chris and um, Mark in the same breath there because somebody um, sent me a tweet today. Did, did mm. you see that? I, I sent it on to you to reply to. Do you reckon I saw the tweet today? Did you see it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Do I recognize you? No, I, don't, I think you've only just got out of bed, um, which is ironic because we've done this in two parts. And when we first started talking, <laughs> we, we were in our pajamas <laughs> uh, to go to bed. <laughs> um, <course>. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so someone said it'd be really good if we did do a show on the comparisons of Mark and uh, Chris, which mm. I think would make a really good show, actually. I'd, mm. I'd like to uh, hear your thoughts thoughts on that well they probably it is a sort of you know we could do this grudge match head to head because they both in a sense you know encapsulated almost you know more than half of in excess of studio albums mm. so you've got you've got mark having done the three studio albums and the live album then you've got sort of chris here having done the three studio albums plus some live oh sorry plus some tracks uh i think he produced um for the the greatest hits album like deliver me and uh, what's it on uh, strangers party and stuff like that so you know from that production point of view they've probably got equal volume of material so yeah i think we've just created an episode there b i think so yeah I- i'm really interested to know about that it'd be really good yeah so i think like all in all that could be an interesting sort of uh, comparison there now it'll probably come from two novices who don't have any ability or experience in record producing but if if i was to preamble so the difference between the two i i, I think uh, from a, an adventurous point of view, Mark would get the nod. I think from sort of a slickness point of view, probably Chris would get the nod. Well, it's like the commercial against the indie, isn't it? Probably. It's all mm. point. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, Mark is just more the artiste um, mm. and that sort of adventurous type of, um, you know, producer. You know, Chris uh, probably, you know, was working on Radio Friendly um, because, as we'll hear, when we exit out of the show today, we're going to hear some of the stuff from Chris's career. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I guess, you know, just to close things off for today's episode, you know, X is probably that, you know, in a way it was a consolidator album for them. Um, uh, it sort of uh, put them, well, kept them in the consciousness there. It, it led to sort of massive results in Europe and Wembley. And um, I guess uh, I look at now, 30 years later, as a, as a collection of songs that are more th- uh, themed uh, and sonically sound a little bit more um, consistent. Kick did. I mean, Kick to me was like a collection of 12 hit singles mm-hmm. that all sounded different to each other. Like not one song really on Kick sounded like the other. Yeah. I think sonically on this album with this, the similarity in um, harmonica and uh, yes. some of the keyboard flourishes uh, and Michael's sort of vocal guess, range and, mm. and chances he took, it seemed to be a tighter, more cohesive album. Um mm-hmm. Uh, was it as dynamic and uh, out there and, and as memorable as something like a kick or some of the other albums? Probably not. But, you know, the, you could just think back to the amount of pressure that <laughs> little Andrew yeah. faced, you know, in, in, in 1989, early 90, having to come up with a bunch of songs post kick. I mean, talk about pressure. I know. Huge. Yeah. Huge. And you can but wonder- he did, he, 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 come on, he has delivered a good album here. Yeah, just, absolutely. And you can understand the record company after last experience with Kick, you'd be thinking, oh, my God, they hated Kick and look how well that did. Mm. What chance have I got to impress my record yeah. people? So. And, it, and it's like you say, you know, you had Kick and, you know, it's a 
kick it's a punchy you know um, yeah. young vibrant album juggernaut. with yeah. or yeah, yeah juggernaut and this one seems to have just like okay we know where we're going we we know ourselves but it's like yeah but we needed that bit more i reckon well look it's one of those things where they've probably gone from uh pardon them pardon the musical pun but boys to men yeah <laughs> um they've, they've sort of they're like they're sort of 26 27 around recording you know kick mm, mm. and then they've come back like remember recording kick you know was six eight nine ten months before the album came out and by the time they were sort of writing or recording the stuff we're talking three and a half nearly four years so yeah you know they'd gone away had families bought properties um they've come back um, you know, and this is the question sometimes of bands. Do they come back extra hungry, mm. um, you know, to, to, to take the next step? I don't think there was a hunger issue for NXS really ever. I don't think they ever really treaded water or did paint by numbers many times in their career. Um, but they're, they're, there's, there's a maturing of the sound and probably a maturing yes. of where they're at. And um, MM, a, a, a very famous NXS fan, uh, did post uh, a week or two ago, I think on one of his platforms, a bit about this uh, album and just the uh, history of it. And he gets really in-depth and things. He was saying that In Excess probably, you know, uh, commercially when this one sort of sold a bit less than Kick, you know, he said something like, oh, all the teeny boppers had In Excess sort of pictures on their sort of walls probably, you know, around the, you know, the uh, Listen Like Thieves and sort of uh, Kick time. And, you know, they've gone from 13, 14, 15-year-olds to suddenly probably 18, 19-year-olds where, you know, some other 13, 14 year olds are coming in, putting some other, you know, <laughs> young looking, good looking blokes on their walls. But I don't think, you know, NXS are a teeny bopper fa- uh, band, but um, they definitely had a massive female fan base. And um, this album probably is a bit more mature, I guess, is the, probably the, the, the strongest sort of adjective I would say. It's a more mature album. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I've grown to love it even more. And the hits that came off it are superb. Yeah. The last thing I'll just sort of mention was it's probably an album that I was, that was the album that I was more mentally ready for, anticipating, excited about, and in that wheelhouse of attention span. So, you know, if I think back to something like when Kit came out, you know, I was 16 years old. Um, you know, I was excited, but, you know, I wasn't running down the record store to buy because I didn't have a record store near me and I didn't have money to buy it. So I sort of almost heard it as each single came out. Uh, and same with Listen Like Thieves and same, you know, probably with the, the Swing. I heard it all the tracks on the radio, what they chose to play. And then eventually over time I was able to get money and buy all these albums. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something like X was something I bought very early and was playing and listening and really uh, owned from the start. So I, I sort of, as a fan, grew very organically with this album as it came out. Like I was playing it uh, as an adult myself at 20 and investing in every song and really analysing every song as it came out. So it has a bit of a special place in my history for me yeah yeah it's it's it like i had the album and but i was loosening off my fandom for in excess with all the grunge that was about to pop Mm. out and i was really massively into the doors at the time as well i was buying every doors album and well that was that movie came out around that time yeah yeah, 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 that that as well. Yeah, yeah Michael so. was maybe. Uh, I know. Well, that's what I was hoping. <laughs> I was really hoping that he was going to get that job, but yeah. no shame. Yeah. But I mean, um, Val Kilmer did a bloody good job. Well, I think Michael, you know, was never going to really do it because he was kept being compared to him so often. So imagine if he played mm. him in a movie, he would have never lived it down. No, that's <laughs> but, right. But having said that, you know, um, I remember the the keyboards player uh, from The Doors, Ray Manzarek, um, he hosted uh, a radio show in LA, uh, which sometimes 
I think I think I might have heard an episode or two, but there was some footage or, or audio of him talking about Michael Hutchins. I remember he played the song Don't Change on his show and he sort of just said, just very innocently said, yeah, you know, it's funny over the years you get a lot of imitators and people and things like that. Uh, he, he valued Hutchins as an artist and as a, as a, as a uh, as a singer, and he said when he first saw him play live, he, he said he was he was so similar and reminded him so much of Jim, without trying to be Jim. Yeah, um, he was his own man, but just you know he felt like there was just that charisma and that particular style that oozed Jim, and, and physical resemblance and just that real confidence sort of front man persona. Um, and I thought that was a really nice compliment, you know, from someone like Ray Manzarek, who was really in the band with Jim. And you Morrison. knew him, yeah, yeah. yeah. I still think Michael is a lot better, though. <laughs> well, of course you do, and we all do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's X in terms of the music side and just playing for everybody there. We hope it's it's provided some memories for some of you. And if you actually haven't got the album or it's something that you didn't get at the time or, you know, you have only certain albums there, we hope there's enough, you know, material on here that will prompt you to go and get it, that, you know, there's some album tracks and things you haven't heard because – we would probably assume as much as we have a great in excess audience out there, there's a lot of us out there who are fans of bands, but we don't necessarily have all the albums and we, we've got, you know, greatest hits and compilations and we have 30, 40 songs we know, but here's another six or eight songs you may never heard of that, you know, do yourself a favour. Um, there's some good stuff there that um, you can reinvest in. Go. All right, B. Well, it's interesting. We've just come through by my side again. We finally made it to X and uh, our little sort of by my side exit song feels most timely as always now, doesn't it? Episode 44 in the bag. We've got a little bit more to go, but we're getting there. Um, all right. We'd like to throw a bit to fan engagement and just get you to highlight some of the people out there making a bit of a, 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 a wave and uh, splash in the community. Uh, have you got a couple of people we'd like to sort of share and, and uh, talk about? Can't be just Ryan Reynolds or or Hugh Jackman. There must be some more important. Oh, my God, you've brought a list. I, I'm, I, I have more than a few. Okay. War and peace, that looks like. <laughs> right. So Carrie-Anne has messaged all of you guys because you guys are trying to get into the Patreon page. So you want <laughs> in. I know you want in. So I'm just going to read them off really quickly. I'm only going to do first names, okay? And some of these people, there's more than a one. So there's like three Scots and there's like, three Susie's. So I'm just going to say Susie and that mm. covers a lot of you. Okay, here we go. Scott, Susie, Katerina, Ferdinand, Kelly, Juliana, Shannon, Christian, Greg, Paul, Vernon, Michael, Isabella, Catherine, Melissa, Lindsay, Marino, Lachlan and Jim. So these are all people who were trying to get into the Access All Areas exclusive area. I would like to say that is only a few. I can't <laughs> read them all out. There's so many people trying all to right. get into well, the look, super fan oh, page. Life easy. Become a patron. Just, just simple. Just, just chip in five, ten, twenty, thirty bucks a month. Yep. Become a patron and just save yourself the hassle. Yeah, that's right. You know, sometimes the long, the the shortcut is the long cut. Yeah. You know, just ex. We'll give you access to all the areas. Just you know, stump just, up a little bit of a, a coffee or two per month, and we and would love to have you in. Yeah, and if you don't want to sort of like buy into something like that, you can just donate a one-time donation, and I'll still let you in. Yep, absolutely. 
All right. Now we talked a little about competitions, didn't we, last week? Bea? You're the you're the the queen of uh, of competitions and things. And uh, there was some discussion about we're due for some prizes and things to come out with all this merch you've accumulated. Um, you look like you're faring away closely at your criterias and <laughs> listing things. Oh, and I've got, I read it down somewhere. One second, I'm padding at the moment. This is called padding. I'm waiting for you to sort of put your head up and go, yeah, yeah I've got it. Yeah, I've got it. All okay. right. I, I, came, I came, well, I'll tell you what, first of all, have you read your book yet or read any I'm of I'm reading it? it. I'm reading it <gasps> at the moment. So good. Yes. So good. Yeah. And what I love is the amount of people that have actually took their time to write about, um, about, about like, like Jimmy's written bits and Matt Michael Marcus. Kadinsky and John Farris. You know, everyone's contributed to this book. It's mm. beautiful. It's, oops, it's so good. So you've definitely got to get your hands on it. So we're going to have four available, I feel. Mm. And um, so it was about what we're going to do. So I've had to think of something quite easy, but not too easy. So the song that... Um, Michael and Jimmy sang was Good Times. What yep. was the song that they were going to do or going mm. to sing before they decided on Good Times? Good one. I like that. That's yeah. the question. So you have to go back and you dive do. deep into the two episodes to find that one if you haven't listened yet. Yeah, you can't okay. find that on Google. Right. So uh, <laughs> who's eligible for this particular prize on this one, B? Well, I'm definitely going to get, because um, there's the four books, we're definitely going to give two books away to two of the patrons and yep. two books away to, to, to two new listeners. Yeah. I think one of those two new listeners has to become a patron to get the book too. Oh, what do you that's reckon? a good idea. Yeah. yeah. So we'll do one for the next patron who comes in and answers the question right, that's joins right. us as a patron, will win a prize upon entering the, the patron league. Yes. Sounds so good. That's- Yes, that's yeah. three ways. So if you've been holding off, you get a signed copy from uh, Mark Overton's yeah. a book personalised uh, to listen and read and dive deep. So it's a great read. Brilliant read. Yeah. All Even right. my dad's picked it up. He loves he loves um, rock and roll um, yeah. publications. And he's like, comes running back going, this is brilliant. Like, yep, it is. But- Fantastic. Moving along, uh, obviously over the next couple of weeks, you know, we've just done our part one of X today where we sort of really just played the songs and gave our sort of thoughts on the songs, both when we heard them initially and how we feel about them now. Um, what we're going to do next week is really elaborate a little bit more about X and how it sits into the NXS canon, how it's viewed 30 years later, and we're really going to dive deep on chart results and just the the uh, the legacy of X 30 years later, which we've sort of alluded to today. Um, we will we'll go deeper next week. Um as I've uh, said, you know, we are due very soon for a Zoom call, B. I'd just like to add to what you just said, though, if that's okay. okay. Um, Nick Egan, our friend, uh, our very good friend, Nick Egan, is going to also talk about the album cover as well, how that came about. So there'll yep. be snippets of that to hear. Yeah. So he really did sort of three in a row. He did sort of kick X mm. and live, baby, live, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, well, that'll be good. Um mm. So, Mark, uh, there's Nick going to five or six episodes. Uh, Mark, you've been on two. So you've got to really up your game a little bit. We've got to get you up into the patron sort of status, you know, honorary status. So a little bit of pressure. Uh, But moving along, uh, we are due for a Zoom call with a lot of our new patrons. And um, I thought what we would do, B, with that is we're talking a little bit about the Rock Hall of Fame. Um, I thought that could be our topic. Yes. Because we want to talk about that as a sort of a, you know, I guess as as a theme. But... 
we think, I thought that, you know, just the other day and about our upcoming topics, it'd be nice to just talk about that concept and that institution. And we'll probably get Dr. Jim on and um, a bunch of newer patrons and maybe a, a group of our more mature patrons um, just to sort of discuss what it actually Why, means. Why? Because Dr. Jim's not mature. And mature is in their patronage and time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, it's, it's sort of something that I think is a really good discussion. Um, there, you know, I know Nick's said a few things to us about how the sort of the Hall of Fame works because he's got some insight there being in LA. Uh, but I thought it, you know, it'd be a great theme topic to get everybody on and discuss it and, and sort of even answer why aren't they in and how does it work and what mm. needs to occur. And it's just weirdly enough, it's not just the music, unfortunately. There's a little bit of networking and politicking that goes into this stuff. Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't be like that. You know, the Academy Awards used to be very pure. Now they're like a marketing exercise for three months and then, you know, the best marketer wins the best film. Um, it's Unfortunately, the Hall of Fame has gone down this path a little bit, um, but we hope the merit of In Excess's music is, is good enough over time to, to get them in along with a little bit of pushes from other areas, you know? Yeah. Yeah, be yeah. interested. Be interesting. Yeah. yeah. So let us know if you want to be part of that. that yeah. That's coming up next week, you're saying? No, I think the week after. We've got X part two oh, next week. Oh, yeah. And then so. the week after. So I think we should. Got time promote- to think about it, everybody. Well, yeah, let's be through all the, the platforms, you and Kerry Ann, let's promote it out there about, you know, a Zoom call. And we could get 15 people on a Zoom call and have a real free for all there, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, 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 we're confident enough to do that now. <laughs> so <laughs> this time, 43 weeks ago, we didn't even know how to sort of press the podcast play button. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're getting pretty cocky and arrogant over here now. So, yeah, anyway. All right. Now, uh, to close off, we like to do a bit of a tribute or a little bit of a, 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 a cover sort of version of things. But um, through a bit of brainstorming earlier, we thought, well, how is it you know, we can recognise sort of X with that particular uh, homage? Well, what I thought, you know, would be really sort of hopefully uh, a nice touch would be to recognise the producer, Chris Thomas. Chris came in and, and worked on Listen Like Thieves, which was sort of that first um, big album that sort of took off in America, you know, in terms of a top five hit. You know, Mark Opet set the groundwork there. The swing seemed to sort of plateau. Listen Like Thieves came in with 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 uh, with uh, Chris Thomas's production and yep. uh, got the band on a sort of momentum again that Mark Opet's established with Shabu. Uh, obviously, Kick was the sort of the juggernaut, the one that hit the stratosphere, uh, and X was sort of the follow-up. So... You know, I guess an in excess's commercial peak, you know, Chris, you know, twiddled the, uh, the, the control buttons that really created the commercial peak of in excess's career. Mm-hmm. You know, critically, you know, again, some would say there are other albums that are critically more acclaimed. Um, some would say these albums are the most critically acclaimed. But I think what I would like to do as a bit of an exit is for those who don't know the story of Chris Thomas, is that the band were very excited to get him involved on these sort of uh, three albums albeit Chris himself was very excited to get involved with In Excess. Yes. And I think he pursued the band quite aggressively to sort of get involved with them. Chris has had a background working as far back on Dark Side of the Moon with Pink Floyd uh, in, a, in a sort of an engineering support role. Um, he has worked with uh, uh, Roxy Music in the early days. He worked uh, with uh, The Pretenders, which I know uh, Michael and Tim particularly uh, liked his production work with The Pretenders. Uh, he worked with The Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of what he's done. Um, and there's a bunch of other artists that, you know, Chris uh, has proven to be sort of one of the master producers around the world. So what we thought we would do today is just a bit of a tribute to, to Chris Thomas for, you know, these three albums that he put together. 
albums that probably created the most uh, shelving space filled up around the world, uh, the most downloads of any of the other albums, uh, all, all, all albums up. Um, and uh, we played a little bit of a music homage uh, to Chris. Uh, and there's a little bit of an excerpt in one of the interviews about working with NXS uh, we might put in there as well, B. So I'll let the listeners, you know, just hear from Chris as well because um, – I know he's still very close with Tim and he's been in Australia over the last period of time and uh, he's he's obviously had a, a big, big sort of contribution to their career. So thank you from me and it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Bye, everyone.
Got it. In search of in excess of the collectors. That's it. Yes, that's it. 